0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Brian, and today is November 14th, 2023. And this is episode 567 of the Lots Project podcast, where we're defining norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled Winter Homestead Fails from Our Time in Minnesota. And today I'll be talking about exactly that, our winters in Minnesota on the homestead, um, things that we hated about winter, things that we tried to make better about winter. And uh, yeah we're not there anymore so obviously none of it worked but um before that we'll grab a cup of coffee check out the live chat and we'll dive into that in just a little bit good morning good morning good morning how is everybody doing let's see who's hanging out already today we got gingerbread farms how we doing today hunter over on twitch msu rifle stopping in already and pip was way early and uh wondering what the white stuff was and being down in Florida, I'm guessing it has some sort of, um, um, <laughs> some sort of, uh, I think Florida white stuff is way different than Minnesota white stuff. Let's see. Hunter says, uh, 14th. What the hell happened to November 4th? I don't remember half of this month. Yeah. This month seems to be pretty much flying by. I, um. I look at the date every morning and it just shocks me that it's that late already, that late in the month already. So I feel you Hunter for sure. Um, What's in the cup today? I got uh, FTO blonde espresso again. It's uh, it's always good. Always, always good that uh, when the FTO blonde comes around, it is um, it's one of my favorites from, from Brian there. I think I, I put that up with the perfect cup. Or silver bullet blend for uh, some of the top top choices I have, and um, yeah, you should try it too. You should head over to Food Forest Farms and see all the holiday gift packs they got going on. You can always use lots five for five percent off, and uh, if you use that discount code, you get a bonus um, bonus pack in any of the holiday holiday gift orders. So yeah, check that out. Check that out if you like coffee, or if you want to try it, or you want to give it as a gift. That is. Um, that is a great gift to give someone that likes coffee uh, and maybe even, you know, Folgers drinker, just give them a little, give them a little taste of uh, of something a little better and see what they think. And it's not, uh, it's not something they have to go out and purchase on their own. And it's uh, it is definitely a nice gift and full, full of value when, uh, when you get that. So awesome and uh yeah, let's see what else we got i got a uh, few things on the on the chat here and at quarter after we'll get into into the winter the winter the Minnesota minnesota winter fails um but uh, before that i wanted to talk about friday friday is um, Bitcoin giveaway day, Satoshi <laughs> Gingerbread Farm says you've ruined Folgers for me. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Don't um, don't be mad about that. Um, so Friday is the Satoshi giveaway. Right now, we are up to 225,000 Satoshis on Friday. Uh, we'll have to have 25 entries in. I went ahead and uh, set that show up yesterday so I could get the link out there so you could share it and uh, set reminders and all that jazz. Uh, I appreciate all the donations coming in. Uh, Started with Pip uh, doing a 50 50 style when he won last week. That started us off with 25,000. I dumped in 25,000 as the standard um next drawing as we went up from that 20,000 we went up to 25,000 base i put that in we were at 50 um brian norton decided he wanted to drop 25 in that put us at 75 turns around go on tim show the other night he drops 100k on the pot and then two awesome listeners yesterday morning uh, msu rifle and jim They jumped in with another twenty five each, getting us up to twenty two twenty five. And as I checked the price uh, yesterday, I think it's like eighty three dollars. I think Hunter put it up in the chat, but that's some that's some cash for a Friday morning, guys. For just showing up, setting your alarm, showing up, listening to me for an hour, and uh, and hitting a hashtag and some some keystrokes, eighty three dollars worth of Bitcoin. If you want to if you want to dump in on that, uh, the the post pinned in um, the post pinned in the chat, you can reply to that with the tip bot. If you don't know, you can use the tip bot on Telegram. You can zap uh, if you're a Noster guy or if you um, are into value for value at all, and you use maybe um, you stream sats like on fountain. Or Podverse, things like that. Uh, you're into Lightning, you're not into Lightning, and you just like to experience value for value using Lightning. Um, you could do that in my Telegram group. We have a, a Lightning tip bot in there where you can seamlessly send uh, Bitcoin Lightning back and forth in the chat down to as little as one Satoshi. Um, so yeah, check that out. You can join the group at uh, Lots Chat, I believe is. Uh, I don't. I don't talk about it much anymore. It's um we've kind of moved away. I'm moving away a little bit from Telegram and uh, and burying my head in it all day and getting some more stuff done. So I haven't really promoted the the Telegram group, but it is a great resource for um, asking questions, finding out about the show. Also, have a channel over there, and uh, you can find. You can find the links at the website up in the top. It'll, it'll have a, a T um, for Telegram. But if you are interested in, in dropping any Satoshis on that pile anytime ever, not just this week or ever, if you want to donate to the Friday giveaway, you can get a hold of me or just, uh, yeah, get a hold of me. Let me know and I'll show you how to to uh, send it in. Other than that, show up on Friday and uh, have a chance. Uh, hashtag scam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Scam. Bitcoin is a scam. So whatever. Um let's just just show up and I will uh maybe I'll mail you some monopoly money and uh yeah. But uh that's Friday coming up here and if we don't get 25 entries in on Friday morning that's just going to roll over and get even bigger. Uh if we do give it away we will drop back down to 25 uh, 25 satoshis to start. So we will see what happens. James says, meanwhile, my 401k lost $467 again this quarter. Should have just bought Bitcoin. Hmm. I don't know. I, if you had bought Bitcoin um, at an all-time high at 60000 um, and went to the next quarter at uh, at 20000 what what would you have thought then? <laughs> I mean i guess the the stock market could crash more crash and burn quicker and uh, as as effectively as that but uh yeah i guess holding long term as in a 401k i have to uh, put my money on the horses that uh that i have the confidence in math <laughs> gingerbread says 401k is a scam yeah yeah um, anyway, other than that yesterday, I, uh, put in a work day over with Norman and Herschel. Um, intention was, uh, to keep pounding away on the roof. I showed up in the morning and they're standing in the front yard, standing in the front yard with a shovel. And I was like, Oh no, what's going on? Um, it, uh, so it turns out that building codes not having building codes can be a plus a blessing and a curse um blessing for the builder curse for the the people that find out the shortcuts some of the builders take (laughs) so when um when they 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 excavated or demolished or imploded or whatever you want to call it their barn out back that old pole barn they're gonna knock down and then put up another one they did that last week and when the the guy was running the excavator in there they hit a water standpipe that they didn't even know they had uh they didn't know they had water at the barn they were kind of um doing work and all of a sudden there was a geyser and the guy's like hey i think i hit a water line they're like there's no water out there and he's like sure is <laughs> and so uh so they found that they got it all taken care of and fixed and i mean it's always a bonus to find water on the property that you didn't know um plumb to there um but they had had a problem with uh, extremely high water bills and we had talked about it they had been trying to figure it out for a while um and turns out it's it, it appeared that it was leaking there at the barn where they didn't even know they had water and so they fixed that up and a few days later all of a sudden the front The front yard is a swamp and best as we can figure is there was a small leak in the front yard and a large leak in the backyard and when they plugged the large leak in the backyard it uh, just amped up the the flow in the front yard and uh, either broke it more or just gave it enough back pressure to um, to leak and, and fill up the front yard. Maybe it just took that long. So we dug down where it was really swampy and uh, yeah found out that the you know when you use thin wall PVC and you don't use couplers you just use a bigger piece of pipe over top of a smaller piece of pipe and glue it on there that it doesn't really last more than you know it was built in the 70s so what is that now 50 years Things are real brittle. Things are real brittle. So they have plans of replacing it all anyway. But this is just a stopgap for uh, for the time being. But yeah, so it showed up to do roof work and ended up doing plumbing in the front yard, <laughs> and that was fun. That was fun. Uh, got it taken care of. And um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a um, it's a blessing and a curse with the with the building code thing. Working on the roof um, and seeing the the building techniques and I'm not saying that I know better, Um, I'm saying I probably would do better if I was building a house, Uh, but currently currently i don't know the proper building techniques on some things easily easily looked up on youtube at this point in the 70s i don't know i don't know i guess if you were doing it yourself and you didn't know you had to look it up in a book or ask somebody kind of makes sense that maybe things are a little wonky but um yeah there's some wonky shit going on that that we fixed which is cool norman norman is really good about um figuring out how to Fix things that don't exactly line up which makes it 10 times harder than just building it from new but it's there it's there so it's cool it's cool i uh, i'm enjoying working on the house with them and um it'll be cool when we get this roof done and uh get to see the finished product because uh it's been an adventure for sure um one other thing here before we move on to the minnesota winter stuff i um if you guys have any life hacks that are, that are your go-to things that you are like, if I could tell everybody this thing that I figured out or learned from someone else or came up with, if you have those, those awesome life hacks, I want you to let me know. You can email them to me, info at the lots You can uh, message them in the telegram group. I'm going to put a, um, (laughs) different norman gingerbread different norman um uh i gotta put a message in the the telegram channel telegram chat and you could reply to that and let me know i'm just making a big long list of ones that i have ones that i have come across and uh, others have shared with me so far and if you wanted to get anything on that list, you're more than welcome. And I always like listener feedback. So that is going to be the topic on Thursday. So get those into me today, tomorrow, um, and before, I guess even up to before the show on Friday. But doing life hacks on Thursday to make your life easier. Just general anything. Anything from uh, a lot of them, I guess, are going to be uh, tool-related, uh, working working on things related farm homestead things like that but uh any genre is perfectly acceptable and we're just going to run through the list and talk about them and see where it goes um good morning Pip. how are we doing good morning i answered your question earlier today um your your pre-show question uh pack out boxes i use them for everything yeah that's uh definitely like the are you talking to the the milwaukee packout boxes like for for like that for the rolling cart and the packouts and i think you 3d print uh custom custom inserts on them don't you hmm. um all right well i guess that's all that's on the coffee chat we might as well move right into this winter this winter uh, disaster <laughs> episode um Man, Corey and I were just talking about it before the show. I, I had a I had a decent list, but it was kind of thin. And I said, hey, while you're walking the dogs this morning, why don't you think about um, Minnesota winter and the, the, the fails we had up there or the things we didn't like. She said, just winter in general. Winter in general. I said, yes. She said everything about it. Everything about it. But she, um, she added a bunch onto the list. Once you got back from the dog walks, a lot of them I had already had. And, uh, yeah, we, so we were definitely on the same page as far as what we thought about Minnesota, especially uh, Minnesota winter, I guess, especially on the farm. Um, there was plenty of crap to deal with when we were just living there in an apartment, in a, in our uh, first home there. But, uh, man, you, we moved up to the farm, and it was a totally different totally different ball game um, when you're required I guess not required when you get animals and you have to take care of your animals and you have to go outside you have to do chores it doesn't matter if it's negative uh, 30 in the morning when um, when hold on one second guys MSU rifle is asking what the schedule for shows next week is um what's next week monday through friday 6 a.m central (laughs) (laughs) i i uh yeah i i'm just gonna do the show i uh i realized that if i if i um do a show every monday through friday until new year's new year's show is like episode one or episode 600 i think it's a or um is it six hundred? I think it's six hundred. Yes, episode six hundred will be right at New Year's or something. So I got to plow through. I'll be doing, I'll be doing, um, I'll be doing show every day. I think we don't have any plans to do anything, do we? Corey just wants to sleep in sometime, but the dogs won't let us sleep in anyway. So I figure if I'm up, I might as well get up and hang out with you guys. Uh, it'll be every day. I'll put a show out every day. Screw it, let's do it. Um, anyway, when we moved up to Minnesota and we got animals. Uh, when it's negative 30 in the morning and you got to go out before work and you have to do those chores, it doesn't matter. You don't get to say, uh, it's fucking cold out, which it was. Um, if you've never experienced 30 Fahrenheit, your eyeballs don't really want to close your, the, the liquid in your eyes feels like it's freezing. Um, the, the breath coming out of your nose, it freezes, the ice freezes on the the nose hairs in your nose. Uh, if you have a beard, your beard is completely covered in ice. As soon as you exhale a few times, uh, your fingers get numb instantly when you go out. And, uh, if you have them exposed, it's just a nasty, it's a nasty climate to live in. It is definitely just a nasty, um, Nasty environment to be in. Um, how much shoot rifle since Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Clark says good morning for for good morning, folks. Man, I can't even talk today. Uh, he knows a, a thing or two about winter up there in Saskatchewan. They're already sliding all over the road uh with winter weather driving. I saw some from, from some pictures he's posted recently. Um, but man, it's just Hunter says sounds like a bad idea. It is, it is a bad idea. Um, and I've talked about it many times on the show. That's the reason we're not there. I really, for all the the shitty type 1 errors that I did that that we walked into when we got there, just things not making sense where they were, um, the the age of the house, the everything, everything. like all the bad things stacked up or here. and winter was here. Winter was uh, just so far ahead of of uh, everything I despised about being there that I think if it wasn't bad, if it wasn't... If we didn't have Winter there, do you think we'd still be there? Or do you yeah. think we still would have <laughs> wanted to laugh? The bugs... She said the bugs are pretty shitty, too. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway anyway, that was the main driving force. Uh, the short growing season, it basically, you you planted your seeds inside because there's no way you could grow shit outside. Um, I guess you could short season stuff, but man, it was like 90 days. <laughs> it felt like it wasn't long. It wasn't long. And as soon as you got in the flow of doing everything in the summer, bam, winter was there. So I thought I'd do an episode and just uh, list out some of the the insanity that we dealt with in uh, in winter in Minnesota and uh, and the main majority reason why we left. Morning, Jim. How we doing? Thanks for coming in. Clark says actually we've had record warm temps this year. All our snow has melted and it's above zero. That's above zero Celsius, guys. He's uh, he's uh, in those in the metric, and uh, which is very unusual. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I hope you have a mild winter. I always, I hope that, um, I hope that, I hope that everybody has a mild winter. I, 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 I never wish this on anybody. So I laugh when it happens, but I won't wish it on you. Uh, anyway, let's get to this list. The first thing about Minnesota winter is it always showed up early. Even if it, Even if it got cold later, even if the bitter, bitter, bitter cold held off, it always snowed earlier than expected. Always buried tools in the garden, buried projects that you were working on, buried things in the yard that were gone until June, Um, May, April. (laughs) I mean, you really didn't know. You really didn't know. Um, You tried as much as you could to get everything done. But it always arrived too early. It stuck animals out in the field. It, uh, it we battled through snow. Um, we battled through sw- walking through snow on processing day uh, for our turkeys the one year, and it was it it was always too early. There just wasn't enough time. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> Clark says, woot woot for global warming. Yeah, if it had global warmed up a little bit in Minnesota, <laughs> we might still be there. Jim says, we always wanted cold enough to have thick ice to fish on. Snow in central New York wasn't too bad. Uh, so you obviously weren't uh, north up, uh, up near Syracuse or getting a lake effect if you didn't have too bad of snow. And I never remembered it getting too bad in New York. Uh, growing up in western New York, it didn't ever really feel like it got that cold. Um, consistently. It felt like it always warmed up during the day. You got a bunch of snow it melt, melt, snow, and, and, but Minnesota, man, it started, and then it just, there was a point that it went below 32 Fahrenheit, or zero Celsius for you Canadian folks, uh, and it didn't go back above. It never, (laughs) yeah, it never, never came back. And, the uh, gingerbread farms mentions uh, forgot about dropping wrenches and sockets and poof they're gone that wasn't as big a deal for me on the farm because I always need I always tried to work on stuff inside the barn inside the garage but in my in my job in my uh, my uh, wage job when I was out working outside on gas pumps if there was any snow whatsoever it was sure as shit you were gonna lose something whether it was a, a socket or uh, the nut to a bolt, a bolt, uh, a part, anything small, boom, gone. As soon as you dropped it, it was in the snow, and there was no chance of finding it. But that stuff, um, Clark's uh, three-foot ice there. I had to buy an extension for my ice auger just for central Minnesota, not even northern Minnesota. So, yes, it gets thick. It definitely gets thick. Good morning, Backwoods Butcher and Digger. Anyway, the winter showed up way too early every year, every year. Um, second shitty thing was it was just a ton of work. Winter in Minnesota, um, it'll it'll become clear in a lot of the things I'm going to talk about in a little while. I don't want to get into specifics, but just just the snow removal was a ton of work, extra work. I mean, you were doing everything you were doing in the summer already. You were taking care of animals. You were going to work. You were trying to keep up with the house stuff. Um, And then you have to add on hours and hours and hours of snow removal. When we first got up there, we did everything with a shovel. (laughs) We had a shitty long driveway and a, a huge area, the parking area. And we would go out there and knock it out with a shovel then we got smart and had our neighbor um we ex- we bartered for rabbit but to had our neighbor um clean our clear our driveway with equipment which was uh, a w- it was a game changer but it also caused its own problems where you'll see um where you'll see later in this list but it was so much work it added so much time it added Early mornings, beyond early, that we were already doing, and then late nights, just prepping for the next morning, constantly watching the weather, trying to figure out: uh, Do I have to get up early to uh, to get stuff done before I get stuff done to then leave for work, or or how is this going to go down? Winter, it was horrible. It was uh, it was just it was so much work. Um, let's move on to some of the livestock issues we had so we didn't have any climate controlled um we didn't have any climate controlled area for animals i guess we could have kept them in the house that was semi-climate controlled um yeah eventually we had the garage we we retrofitted the garage at at, uh, at the end and put a uh, put a propane heater in it so there was that But um, when we first started out and probably the first five, four years we were there, uh, we didn't have any indoor climate controlled areas for our animals. So throughout winters, we kept uh, chickens, laying hens uh, and rabbits. Um, The year we did keep some quail over winter. Um, and then our propane tank, and we were shutting everything. came together right at winter. Our propane ran out and, um, we shut down the quail right then. But anyway, all our animals for the majority of the time that we overwintered, which we really scaled back in fall. That was, um, that was a routine that we did just to save on work. We had them outside. We had them in all those frigid temperatures we were talking about. And the biggest issue with all of them was water. Um, we picked cold, hardy animals that, that did okay. Um, I don't think we necessarily lost any animals to the cold other than maybe some, um, some rabbit kits that uh that were born and got out of the uh, got out of the nesting box when they just didn't have enough fur to stay warm and uh, instantly froze it happens but chickens were okay they physically were okay they didn't care they're birds you look around there's birds um there's birds in the winter they they stick around so that wasn't a big deal but getting them water was um mm -hmm. So, yeah, Kyle says five or six hour project, depending on the storm, getting rid of snow. Yeah, it's it's just stupid. And so when we first got up there in the summer, so we we bought the farm. We got up there in the middle of winter, um, middle of December. We didn't have any animals, obviously, until spring. So we had a whole season to get. um a whole season to get to winter. We had our chickens. We had used the, you know, the blue buckets that hang and have the four the four red nipples on the bottom that the the chickens pack and the water comes out. So we had used those. I didn't have any I didn't have any expectations that they were going to work during the winter, but I was surprised how early the they froze up. Not necessarily the the water in the jug, but the metal parts in the nipples would freeze because the metal would get cold from touching the air. It would hit that water and in that little cavity, it would just freeze. So if the chickens went to bed and it got below freezing at night, by the time they came down in the morning and went to peck it, there was uh, ice buildup in them. So they couldn't get the water. I didn't really realize this. Until I went down a little later in the morning on a weekend and they were just going to town on the thing because they finally broke it loose. They finally got water to flow out of it. And I was like, "Huh, hmm, OK, because it wasn't enough, it wasn't cold enough to freeze that whole body of water. Well, um, I came up with an idea real quick. I don't remember if it was that first winter or the second winter. Uh, for another watering system for the chickens, we went through three, uh, three variations of trying to beat the cold, uh, and then we just gave up. The second variation was a four-inch four, four inch PVC pipe. <coughs> I took one 10-foot section, and I put elbows on the ends and put two uh, vertical sections up, so it looked like a big U that I hung on the wall. Uh, And I put those same nipples in the bottom. And the idea was in the summer, it worked great. I just took off the cap on one side and I filled it with a five gallon bucket and the U filled up and it drained down equally as they drank out of the bottom. And my intention in the winter was to take one or two aquarium heaters and drop them in those verticals down to the corner and plug them in and let it keep that water warm inside the four inch pipe now i think someplace like um like maybe illinois or south depending on um gingerbread farms they they were in they were kind of locked inside they he asked uh, gingerbread farms asked her if they didn't eat snow they did uh kind of sheltered from the snow where we had them and originally we thought that we had to lock them inside. We would close our uh close our coop up every morning or every night and open it every morning, even though we had an enclosed run. But this big U water, the intent was if I added warm water to it and then I had the aquarium heaters in them, they were just small little the little um little stick heaters that it could keep that water warm enough to keep the nipples from freezing that quickly didn't work uh the the cold it wasn't even very far into winter the cold froze the water cracked the four inch um, cracked the four- inch pVC and uh, the water when it when it melt when it melted uh drained everywhere uh and the the water would the water warmed up when the temperature came up high enough for the aquarium heater to work it would like melt the water and uh, then it ran out to crack so back to water bowls at that point so right now we're using rubber the rubber fleet farm water bowls basically you fill them with water and they freeze hard as a rock uh, after a little bit and then you can just throw them on the ground and the big ice puck comes out so that's what we went back to the the whole next year i tried to engineer a new system to um a new system to keep the water from freezing. And the reason for this was just that I didn't feel like bringing water down to them every day. Our barn was probably, I don't know, 50 yards, 75 yards from the house. And we didn't have water down there. So we're carrying water, not only carrying water from the house, we're carrying it in snow down this hill. Um, snow, ice, depending on if it gets cold, warm, if it freezes and then remelts, it's like a ski slope, uh, and carrying it down there. So my goal was to do it less often. Um, the next year I, um, the next year I engineered a system where it was a 55 gallon drum it had a stock heater in it made for way more than 55 gallons. So it's going to keep that water actually way warmer, uh, put it on a different thermostat uh, so that it, it stayed warmer. And then I took a uh, a DC pump that I scavenged from someplace and um, and a, uh, a regulator, and then I, uh, I made another pipe with the the drip the drip nipples on it like the nipples from the from the the bucket water there was a return line that came out at the bottom of the or at the end of the pipe that went back into the bucket or into the 55 gallon drum the water would heat up i would get it nice and hot and it would circulate through and the moving water past the nipples and the the heating and the loop And I would turn it up and turn it down, depending on what the temperature was, was keeping the water warm enough. Now, I talked to a bunch of guys at different farm stores and stuff like that around the state uh, as I was putting this project together, because I had to get something that used low PSI, but wasn't stagnant water, um, like the valves and the nipples and things. I needed them to be appropriate. And they would always ask what I was working on. And um they, uh, they said, "Oh my God! If you if you figure this out, like you're going to be a millionaire because uh, no one in our lifetime has figured out how to keep the water from freezing for the chickens, unless it's inside and 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 climate controlled." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let's do this." So I put this together. It's running. It's running. It's running. It um, it got. It did well. It it um. It got down to, I think we made it to negative 11 for a high in the day. I was keeping up. The first day that it got below freezing, really below freezing, and then didn't come up above my, I couldn't keep up with it. There just wasn't enough heat. There wasn't enough um, retention. I had it all insulated. It froze up. At that point, that was our th- our second or third, I think it was our third winter there, our second winter with animals. I gave up. For the rest of the time we were there, we used rubber balls, uh, filled them with water, and went down every morning, knocked them out, brought buckets of water, and, uh, and gave them new water. One thing we found out is that uh, ice doesn't melt in winter, and when you're continually making half bucket uh, or half bowl ice blocks and you start throwing them outside the barn by the end of the winter there is a huge tall pile of ice to be melted there and they melt seem to be way slower than anything else so there was just this huge uh pile of ice outside our chicken coop so that's what we ended up going with in the in the long run uh was just filling those those water buck or those water bowls those rubber bowls and uh, knocking them out every day um with the watering um watering disaster was also our rabbits we carried rabbits through the winter uh in our barn it was another uninsulated barn it, it had them out of the the snow it had them out of the wind it had them um sheltered but it was just fu- just cold cold as shit um James says pucks pile up and they fuse together. Yes, they do. When the sun bl- the sun beats on them and they melt a little bit, they all fuse together. So you can't move one of them. They're just basically where they're at until they melt. Um, but the rabbit water bottles, man we we went back and forth. We thought about doing the heated bowls. We didn't have enough outlets. Now you got to remember at this point we had like eighteen. 18 adults that we overwintered. I think the one winter we had 14 does and four bucks something around that uh that's a lot of water bottles that's a lot of water bottles because in the depth of winter with um in the depth of winter with that many rabbits we were changing three times we were changing the water bottles three times because literally, this, this was another, it was almost as far as the chicken coop, but it's probably 40 yards down to this one. Literally, you'd load up all the water bottles in the house and they'd be all warm and nice. They'd been sitting in the house all night because we had sets of water bottles because they had to thaw out every day. You would walk them down to the barn. You would take the four-wheeler down to the barn. And before you could give them the water, the nipples were frozen the the like the spouts i don't know if you've ever had rabbits or hamsters or gerbils or whatever the little water bottles with the stem and the stainless steel ball they literally would be frozen before you could give them the water so you had to hold the you had to warm up the stem in your hand before you gave it to them and then they would drink they would run over and they would drink if you ever heard those things clank and, uh, man, as soon as they stopped drinking, it would just freeze. The ball would freeze in, they couldn't get any more water. And very soon after the water would freeze in the bottle. Uh, we considered, like I said, the, the heated bowls, we were afraid that they would dump them. Uh, and if they got wet, they were fucked in, in this weather. Uh, People are like, oh, they don't spill them or if they spill them, it's no big deal. They're just, uh," yeah, when it's as cold as it was, it is a big deal. And um, we weren't going to go through that. So we went through the process of changing at the the depth of winter three times. We would wake up in the morning. We would go down and give them fresh water. Uh, When we got home from work, we would go change the water bottles. And before bed, we would go change the water bottles. Uh, and it was um, yeah. Ginger puts the balls freeze in the tube instantly, instantly. No, it's just boom, done. So we battled through that. The rabbits they survived. It was a shitload of work for us, just a shitload, because you're doing that many bottles, you're bringing them up, and they're frozen so solid that it takes it takes all day for them to to thaw out so we had to have all sorts of storage space in the house for you know 18 water bottles times 3 sets and sometimes even more because when it got really cold and our house was a little cooler because <laughs> it was an old farmhouse drafty with no insulation uh so when it was super cold out our house was cold uh it wouldn't sometimes they wouldn't even thaw out completely by the next day and at some points in the winter you realize that even with that big ice cube in the middle you fill the water in there it didn't even matter it didn't matter because it was just going to freeze instantly anyway when you're looking at the temperature on the weather station next to the sink just going this is stupid um so that was a water issue with the chickens um like I said, the quail we had in a heated garage, if that heater had ever gone out, uh, the quail would have probably all <laughs> had a, they would have, they would have freaked out. I think they would have been all right. The birds probably would have been all right, but their water system was all automated um, and it would have froze solid and, and and went to shit. So when, once we didn't have any propane, it was time to shut the quail down in the garage. So that, that was kind of our water man, it was horrible. It was, it was, um, it was a lot of work and, uh, a lot of energy put into just getting the animals watered. Um, eventually we would have had to have, I think if we stayed, we would have had to have, uh, climate controlled areas for at least wintered animals where we could keep it a little warmer above freezing at least. So we could keep, um, keep water from freezing. That would have been ideal. Um, Gingerbread says, since the tubes froze, why not just collect them once the rabbits are done drinking it? Prevent the bottles from freezing and damaging tubes. I didn't have time for that shit. I had to do chicken chores, I had to do rabbit chores, I had to do dog chores, and I had to go to work and um, then work 14 hours, come home and do it again after work and then before bed Uh, on days that Corey was working and on days that uh, she was doing chores, she had to do the same thing on top of everything else she was doing. I didn't have time to stand around and wait for the chicken or for the rabbit water to um, it was it wasn't feasible, wasn't feasible. Um, so one thing that helped, at least with the water, um, moving it all up and down, up and down the hill, uh, we bought four wheelers. Eventually we did the first two years on the farm with no equipment, no four wheelers, no tractors. No, we had a lawnmower that was a riding lawnmower. That was about it. Uh, so we would carry, or we would take, uh, a cart up and down the hill, uh, a garden cart. With all the water in it, and then in the winter we would use an ice fishing sled, um, and take the sled down with all the stuff in it. Got to be a shit show sometimes. Like it would get slippery on the hill, and literally we would pull the sled to the edge of the hill down to our barn and get behind it and let it slide down and get it when we got otherwise when we got to the bottom. Otherwise, it would like knock you over and bowl you down the hill. Uh, we eventually bought a four wheeler, which was great which was great. We had two. Um, we used them every day to do chores and run down. And it, it was fantastic. It, um, it really took the, it took a lot of, it took a lot of work away from Corey and I, especially in the summer when we had to do chores out way out in the field with pastured chickens. But in the winter, it was great. All that water we had to move until it got cold, until it got cold enough that they didn't start. And there was plenty of times in the winter when the four wheeler, you would go out and it would be negative 20. It would be negative 15. And it was negative 15, negative negative 10 was kind of the tipping point that the four wheelers wouldn't start. And when you go out in the morning and you're, you're rushing and you don't want to be out in the cold and you're trying to get to get to work, um, And you go out and the four-wheeler just won't even attempt to start because it's so cold that you have to now load up the sled and take the sled down the hill. It was so disheartening. It was so like you just wanted to quit every day of it. It was it was bad. So. That would be a couple of weeks out of the year. The four-wheelers wouldn't start. That was uh that was definitely a winter fail. We didn't have block heaters or for them or anything. Like I said, it was only a couple of weeks out of the winter. Uh, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But in the moment, in the moment, um, in the moment, it really sucked. In the big picture, nah, it was what it was. We did it for two years prior. <coughs> but Man, the convenience when it wasn't there really, um, really knocked you down. Uh, One thing that we figured out, well, we never really figured out the solution for it, but um, we realized quickly that we had to figure out where to put our snow. We had so much area we had to plow out that by the time December came, by the time January came, we were all our, our parking area, everything wasn't pushed back far enough. And Minnesota got the most snow. Wasn't it April? No, March. It was a March or April. We'd get the most snow. Like when it warmed up enough to snow uh, is when we would get it. Uh, so all winter was kind of, kind of, we'd get dumped on here and there and we'd have it all pushed back. And then here comes spring. We're like, oh, here's spring. It's warming up. And we would just get hammered with snow. And nowhere to put it. Um, The other thing that we realized is where we put it, uh, where we put it was wrong. But it was about the only place we could. As our snow melt would melt off, it would run down our hill, the hill I talked about going down, every year. And this was one of the huge errors in this place when we showed up the barn and the chicken coop were at the bottom of the hill. And if you can figure out, if you're a smart person, when the snow melted, the water went downhill. Water went downhill. It flooded my barn. It flooded my chicken coop. It flooded out my car. And it just went and going and going. And I mean, in the spring, we would have, um, we would have, I don't know how, how t- snow banks all the way around our, our driveway and our, um, our parking area. And it would all sp- just melt and keep going down the hill. Plus all the snow on the hill and something else on my list was the, the work it took just to get into the barns and keep the barns and the chicken coop from falling down. The barn door slid open when we would get snow when we would get drifts even when we wouldn't get snow if the freaking wind would blow you had to shovel out the barn door to get into it and if you didn't shovel it out enough the next snow you were just screwed and you had to do 10 times the work and the next time the wind blew it blew in the door it blew all around the door it encased it um and then so all of that snow build all those big piles all melt and they all run down James says, when the snow melts, you got mud. <laughs> yeah, you got mud, then you got frozen mud, and then you got worse mud when the frozen mud melted. It was it was bad. Spring, spring, you were so happy it was warm, you really didn't care. But Jesus, there was a lot of mud, and it took forever for the snow to all melt. So that was uh, one of the things that we didn't do very well. I don't know if there was a solution other than uh, basically scooping it up and and taking it far away and doing something else with it. But um, we had a we had a swamp, a drainage swamp behind our property. So everything flew or everything drained through our property out to that. And um, like I said, those buildings were right down at the bottom at the bottom of the snow pile. Um, Keeping the buildings up, I mentioned real quick, uh, we had snow load. We had snow load. Um, <laughs> we had snow load like unbelievably. And our barn was old and rickety. It was about ready to fall down. The concrete base was fantastic, but they had the top had been been taken off and a new top had been put on and the new top was ready to fall off. So anytime we got more than a couple feet of snow on the top, yeah, a couple feet of snow on the top of the barn, uh, we had to use roof rake. And our barn was like 60 foot long um and yeah it was it was a lot to rake that roof off a lot and then our chicken coop same thing we had to pull the snow load off of that eventually before we left uh the the construction just couldn't take it anymore and it started to collapse a little bit uh yeah it was it was a mess it was rough we also had a back run off our chicken coop that had a a cool little tunnel That went out to it um and as soon as we got any bit of snow that whole tunnel would just collapse because it was made out of uh chicken wire and uh, just an arch for them to go out into the enclosed run so basically they were trapped inside in the winter um so that was uh dealing with snow and snow load and just the the mass amount of extra work in the winter uh, we wouldn't have a fence for the majority of the winter in parts of our backyard because of um, because of the amount of snow and the drifting. Corey actually has videos up on our YouTube channel where she walked up to the fence and just walked over it and was like, yep, that's where our four-foot uh, welded wire fence or woven wire fence is. Um, yeah, just totally gone. You could see, sometimes you could see A little hump where the the post is because it was more solid and the snow would melt down a little bit and the snow would like hump up on the post but yeah there were plenty of sections by the end of the year where we didn't have any fence in the backyard our dogs kind of stayed away from it i think they knew their boundaries but man if you had livestock if you had things you were trying to protect things like that man you could walk right over our fence it was no problem whatsoever so i don't know how you uh how you rectify that unless you you snow blow the fence line or you put in like a 12 foot fence i don't know maybe triple fences for snow um for snow load i don't know i don't know how to fix it we never did (laughs) so that was uh that was our fence um access (laughs) oh one thing one thing i talked about the first thing was uh how quickly how quickly um how quickly winter came and it always came too soon corey brought up a good point when she was talking to me after a walk this morning that we rarely had enough time to harvest the garden, put the garden to bed, ready for winter by the time winter came. So our growing season was so so short, you had to push everything to the end. I don't know how many green tomatoes, underripe peppers, perfectly good producing plants just had to get pulled out, just had to get um, just had to get trashed or had to just let the snow hit them. Uh, because the snow would come so early and the growing season was so short, you didn't have time to, you know, pull your plants and, and compost your beds and mulch them. Bullshit. There was like four feet of snow on them before you knew it. There was once the snow was there, it was all done. It was all done. So our um, our thing, we always tried to get our garlic in. That was uh, the main thing. Uh, and you're always battling this, uh, this date, like, we want to get it in as late as possible, but we don't want to miss it for the snow. And there were times that we definitely missed it from the snow. So that sucked. We rarely got the garden put away. Uh, we weren't able to keep our garden as nice as we would like it. Uh, and there was always shit in the garden when the snow would melt and we'd find it. And We were like, oh, well, we were working here. This is where we stopped. <laughs> You could tell where you were working away and you stopped and went away for a couple of days, did something else, and came back and it was just covered with snow. So there was that. And um let me see the one last thing. Let's let's talk about poop. Um it never it was one big poop sickle, guys. <laughs> the rabbits, the chickens. Um, if you do deep litter, yeah, you do deep litter and you do it for like seven months because. The deep litter, the poo is so frozen that even in, I mean, we would try to clean it out finally in like March, April, May, uh, as soon as it was warm enough, you were basically taking an ice scraper and chopping it up. Like it was still a frozen solid brick. It was like, uh, you know, when you put the big brick of ice in your, in your cooler and it takes forever to melt down to the center. Yeah. That was our poop piles under the chicken, um, under the chicken roost under the rabbit hutches, uh, it just froze solid into, uh, into one big block and, uh, man, it would retain that cold. It would definitely retain that cold. And it was by the time we got it out of there, I mean, three feet deep, easy. You yeah. think underneath the, underneath the chicken coop, underneath the chicken, um, the roost where they would poop all winter, Uh, easily three, easily three foot deep, uh, under the rabbit hutches. And there were times where the winter was so long that the poop was getting close to the bottom of the rabbit hutches. And I set those at three feet, uh, and it was just solid under all of them. It didn't smell until it thawed out. And as soon as it thawed out, it smelled really bad. So it was this, uh, it was just this, this huge chore. And I don't think there was any way around it. I don't think there was the option of like keeping up with it over the winter. Um, Our birds, were we had enough space for all of them. It wasn't like they were overpopulated in the area they were. I think it just was what it was. And um, I didn't like it. We didn't like any of this stuff I'm talking about. And those were the main factors that we put into when we decided we wanted to get the hell out of there. How much easier it could be somewhere, even if it was an average of 30 degrees higher in the winter, that wouldn't even be enough for me. But, uh, yeah, even, even dealing with just a little less cold would have been, would have been fantastic. So, man, people ask, I talk to people, especially in the preparedness, self-reliance world. And man, I tell them I have 35 acres and a homestead and a farm and this and that. And and they're like, well, why the hell are you in an RV? listen to this episode that's why we left that's why we gave up what everybody wants because it wasn't in the right space it wasn't in the right place the work that we had to do just to maintain in winter wasn't worth it at all so those were my winter uh, winter fails or winter bitches i guess winter problems uh, It is what it is. It is what it is. We don't have to deal with it much anymore. Now we're just trying to figure out how to deal with a milder winter. Texas last winter was fantastic. Uh, I realized how much I actually hurt in Minnesota when I didn't have to deal with the weather, Um, how sore it gets you, how much your muscles hurt and ache, and your body just hurts from the the cold. Um, When I spent the winter in Texas, it was 110 times better. So I get why people snowbird. I get why they head to Texas for the winter, Florida, Arizona, whatever they do. Um, I get it. I get it. And uh, I don't want to go back to the other. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, guys, if you want to show up tomorrow and, and hang out, we're going to be talking about microgreens. Ran a, uh, a little microgreen side hustle, uh, both selling at farmer's markets and trying to get into restaurants. I can tell you that story how I grew them, why I got into them. Um, we also took two shots at that. Um, the first one didn't go so well. And then we we changed gears and the second attempt was a lot better. Uh, but I will tell you all about that tomorrow. Uh, if you want to participate in the in the live drawing on Friday, be sure to set a reminder so you don't miss it. Those links are up in the Telegram group, or you can go over to YouTube, and it should be an upcoming stream. It's uh, it's an episode about orange-pilling folks over the holidays when you're getting together with them at holiday events. Join us then. Tomorrow, microgreens. Friday, Bitcoin. Thursday, life hacks. If you have any of those, please uh, let me know for sure. Other than that, if you'd like to participate in any of the live comments, you can always join the live recording Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find links to all my social media services I offer, recommended products, and companies I am affiliated with at thelopsproject.com. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcasts, 2.0 Value for Value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, folks, and... Uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. I can see the light. Shining in with the